Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you are into hunting, fishing, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you're listening from, whenever you're listening, welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. All right, great episode for you today. Uh, Just a conversation that was just super fun. Uh, Today, I'm joined by Clark Dodd, and Clark is the owner of 2% Certified Bella's Bones, and Bella's Bones, they make uh, dog chews, they make a lot of uh, assorted uh, call it kitchen utensils um, that are all handmade out of uh, some type of, of horn or antler. Um, anything from bottle openers, pizza cutters, wine stoppers. Um, I don't even know what like the proper name for them is, but you know if you want to like scoop a piece of pie or like a piece of pizza or something like that. So just a ton of really cool handcrafted things that are all made out of um, shed antlers. And not only that, years, you know, antler shoes that you can buy for your pet as well. And um, unbeknownst to me, I guess, uh, when I first reached out um, to Clark, um, and we kind of talked about this uh, at the beginning of the episode, Clark was joined me for an episode, gosh, probably a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, um, called 30 Miles of Fence uh, with Jared Frazier and... Um, Simon Bazard, uh, I believe was his name. And they were doing this big uh, fence pull and repair project uh, out in Montana. And when he uh, responded to to my message to him, he said, hey, you know, I've, I've not done this before except for the one other time with you. And of course, I started thinking to myself, who is this guy? Uh, but then once he told me and I recognized the name, um, 
it was it was all good. Uh, but no, we had a, a great conversation uh, about the business, uh, about his upbringing, um, growing up in Tennessee, kind of bouncing around uh, across the country a little bit. Um, played college baseball, was a high school baseball coach after that. Um, so we we take a deep dive into baseball for a little bit, uh, which was fun. It's certainly something I enjoyed. And I was telling him uh, after the podcast that we could probably have, have just spent an hour talking about baseball and that would have been okay with me. But I'm not sure how many people who are tuning in to listen to conservation want to hear uh, two guys talk about baseball. But nevertheless, um, yeah, we, we talk more about, you know, how the business evolved, um, how it kind of got started and, and what was kind of the turning point, uh, for, for Clark and his wife to decide to give this business a go. Um, if you haven't, I, I highly suggest you guys check out, um, Bella's bones, Bella's bones, excuse me, uh, website. Cause they have a ton of, of really cool, just like little statement pieces for around the house, um, that are great, uh, conversation starters like, like Clark and I talk about, um, it, it was just, it was a, a really enjoyable conversation. I mean, I think Clark and I talked for another 20 minutes or so, uh, even after we got done recording. So, uh, just a great guy with a ton of, a uh, ton of insight and, um, just a, a really good listen. So episode 152 with Clark Dodd. Enjoy everybody. Clark Dodd, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great, Marcus. Thanks. Great to be back. Uh, it, it it it's been a while. I think I'm not even sure when we when we did that that other podcast with Jared and Simon. But uh, but yeah, a repeat offender, I guess. Yeah, there's not a lot of you guys out there. Not a lot of repeat offenders. So no, I'm I'm excited. And to be honest, when I was uh you know to to get guests and things like that, I'm always going through two percent's business page to see if you know new members have been have been added or anything like that. And I kind of just blindly reach out to people and say, hey, this is who I am. You know, I partner with 2%. Usually that kind of calms the nerves to, to someone on the other end if they're like, man, who's this random person reaching out to me? Um, yeah. But when I reached out to you and you were like, oh, yeah, I was on the podcast. Where I didn't realize, Clark, that you were uh, the one, the, the owner or, or who was in charge with Bella's Bones. Um, so all of a sudden I was like, oh, gosh, familiar name, familiar face, so to speak. So, no, I'm, I'm excited to talk more today, a little bit more one-on-one. Nice. Yeah, that... Uh yeah, I, I, we were we were really just getting started, um, trying to get started uh, when when we had that horse prairie conversation. The um, Bella's bones, in, in really in its in its real infancy, I guess. We're still still pretty much in our infancy, I I, I suppose. But uh, but early on there, when the last time I talked to you, we didn't have a whole lot going on. Yeah. So before we kind of take a, a deeper dive into into Bella's Bones um, well I guess first how how are you connected because do you know both Jared and Simon had you just met them on the project how did, how did you guys kind of come to be working together on that on that fence project you know we first ran into Jared uh, boy several years ago uh, quite a few years ago um, before two percent existed and, and he was a uh, uh, one of the uh, chapter members, chapter board members for um, the Montana chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and um, we volunteered to um, help out uh, at, at a, a Meteor live podcast recording 
uh, event in, in I think, the, the very first one they did in Bozeman. And uh, so that's where we met Jared. So I've known Jared um, for quite a while. And, and then Simon, I, that was the first time I had met Simon, okay. uh, was, on that, was on that fence work uh, with, with Jared um, that we discussed, you know, that we had our previous podcast with. But yeah, Jared. Um, you know, we've known him through through BHA was the was the original, and then also uh, my wife know, interacts with him. He's one of the board members uh, for the Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. Yep. And Wendy is uh, the Montana regional rep for for the Goat Alliance. So so okay. we interact with him. Yeah. Right on. So Clark, tell the listeners uh, a bit about yourself, a little bit of your background, and and really you know, being in Montana there, like what, what does the outdoors look like to you? How were you kind of introduced to it growing up? Uh, I, I, I've been in and out of uh, Montana for quite a while now. I grew up in Tennessee, uh, in East Tennessee, um, um, actually in, in Knoxville, which is a pretty good sized town. And, uh, but not very far from the great Smoky Mountains national park. And, and, um, what really my, outdoors background there like my fishing with my dad on the trout streams and the smokies um you know when i was small enough that he was holding on to me to keep me from falling in a stream you know and uh then and, and he's from uh he's originally from virginia and his his folks had a had a house uh place on the on the rappahannock river which maybe a mile above where it flows into the chesapeake bay so um, a lot of fishing, a lot of fishing there when we'd go to visit there, and and uh, and a lot of fishing um, in a you know in the in the mountains, uh, canoeing into streams, and and then also canoeing around on some of the lake, a lot of reservoirs in East Tennessee, and so a lot of um, panfish and bass, and um, that 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 was the 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 big outdoor stuff as a kid, and uh, I wound up going to college in Western North Carolina. And um, one of the guys that uh, I played baseball with was uh, was a big bow hunter, and and uh, and he set me up with his uh, with a with a third hand bear whitetail two um, uh, that that was uh, I've I've got it out the garage now. It's got a cracked limb, but it was it's it's old, but it uh, I, I could shoot it fairly well, and um, and so I started hunting with with him and a couple other guys on the ball team. Um, quite a bit. That's how I got into got into the hunting angle, kind of the, the 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 late onset, I guess, but not too late. Yeah, not too um, late. No, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. So went from there. Came out here. Uh, I'd been uh, coaching some college baseball and wasn't getting along with the guy that I was coaching with, and uh, so I, I was going to leave at the end of the semester. You know, at, at Christmas break time. And my mom knew that I didn't have anything going on, and she saw a flyer to um, uh, to work for the summer in Yellowstone National Park and uh, do some seasonal work. And so she she knew I'd always wanted to come out west, and and so she handed me the flyer. This is you know pre email and everything, and yeah, and uh, filled it out, sent it in. They sent back, said yeah, come out and work for the summer. Um, so I, I came and, and I wound up spending five summers and three winters up at Old Faithful and, um, and uh, caught, just fished a lot in the yeah. park, a lot. 
and uh, met my wife there. And uh, we actually lived in, she's from Michigan, and we okay. lived in Michigan for um, about nine years. Whereabouts? Um, we had late 90s, early early 2000s. We were outside of Big Rapids. Um, I, we, I taught at Fair State, and she was working in the student rec center at, at Fair State. And I, yeah, yeah, and uh, coached high school baseball up the road in Reed City, and and so um, we spent quite a while there. But Mid Michigan's nice, but uh, the whole time we were there, I was there. We were really, we had, I, I, I really like to be back in Montana. And uh, so now we're we're about we're about to, I'm looking out of my window right now, and I can see the the northwest edge of Yellowstone uh, okay. from here, and uh, looking out uh, at the at the Gallatin Mountains and the Absorca Beartooth, um, just around the corner from the Absorca Beartooth Wilderness, and um, so so the outdoors now looks a little bit different from from uh, for me than it did. Uh, you know, when I was a kid in East Tennessee and, and uh, maybe in Virginia and even, you know, in North Carolina, we were out in the mountains, but, yeah. but not, not quite these mountains. Yeah. Man, so many follow-up questions. One, <laughs> I love that, that you spent some time in Michigan, so you can you can appreciate what all that Michigan has to offer. Oh, uh, lots, lots. Yeah, it really does. I think I think a lot of people tend to sleep on Michigan a little bit. Uh, for for all the the outdoor activities you can get into, I mean, there's a ton of great trout streams. Mm-hmm. You can hunt a lot of different species. The Great Lakes are unmatched, in my opinion. Uh, especially, you know, we're we're right on the brink of summer here, and this is just, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the best time to be in Michigan uh, is the summertime. Uh, but coaching baseball, I'm a big baseball guy. I grew up playing nice. baseball. Yeah, I I had the opportunity to play. I played football in college. However, my heart was always in baseball. I don't know what it was like. I And I would rather like play in the field than hit. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone loves to hit. But for whatever yeah. reason, I, I played middle infield. And I could just nice. stand out there and shag ground balls until the lights go out. I mean, it was by far my, my favorite passion as, as far as sports go growing up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time on a ball field. Uh, um yeah, obviously playing all the way through college, and then a um, couple of years uh, coaching college ball. My my dad was a coach, and uh, um, and then and then after I came out here, I was. It, it, by the way, he he was not the guy I was coaching with that I didn't get along <laughs> with. That I, mom yeah, gave me a ticket to get out of town. That wasn't the, sti- the skinny there, um, but I did help him out sometimes. A couple of uh, springs when I was in between summers and, and winters in Yellowstone, you know, and you get we'd get about six weeks off yeah. in between seasons, and so I'd go back and help him out a little bit. And, um, but but nine years of high school ball in Michigan, um, uh, coaching there. Uh, in fact, one of my guys, uh, the center fielder off of my uh, my very first high school team that I coached, is. Uh, He's going to come out and, and elk hunt with me this fall, so that's oh, that's, that's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, those connections. That's great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so, growing up in Tennessee, who was your team? Were you a Braves fan then? I was. I was not. I grew when I was a when I was a, a, a little kid. Um, my mom's brother. My mom was from Connecticut, so this is a little stretch, uh, a little wiggle here, but. 
my mom's brother married a lady from St. Louis. Okay. And when I was five or something, they brought me a St. Louis Cardinals hat. And, um, and so, uh, that was, that was it for me. And, and, and I'm East Tennessee, West Tennessee, there are a lot of Cardinals fans. Yeah. Um, and, that was my um, next guess. yeah. And, and we were, uh, you know, I, it was right at the, at the, at the early stages of, um, of cable TV. So, so that, so the Cubs and some of my friends got the, when they first got cable TV and we didn't get cable TV, um, we did, we had to, we had to black and white with the, you know, three channels. And so the Saturday game of the week and, and, and Monday night baseball was it. Um, but, uh, but some of my friends would get Cubs games and certainly Braves games. And of course, neither one of them were very good. And when I was, when I was a little kid, um, the, the Cardinals weren't very good either, but, but they still, they, 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 they were my team and they, you know, Lou Brock was still playing and, and that sort of thing. So, um, I'd be checking the box scores every day and, yeah, checking and, uh, the paper. Yeah, yeah, ch- checking the paper every day for that, and and uh, but that's that's where uh, and then and then um, when I was in Michigan, um, I I started listening to the Tigers on the radio, and and it was um, it was a tough time to be listening to the Tigers on the radio. Um, I was, was going to ask kind of like what time frame that was because, I mean, I'm going to guess here, but I'm sure Ernie Harwell was doing the broadcasting, right? At the at the at the very end of his career it was the okay. very end maybe when I first started listening first year or maybe two okay. so um, it was um, it was it was some of the 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 really bad years mm-hmm. um, plenty of them yeah it's it was um, I, I can't remember some of the specifics but like Brandon Inge was playing and Ooh, yeah. and and. Um, then I, I, man, I can't, I can't remember. Uh, uh, when they had Bobby Higginson. Yeah, Higginson. Yeah, yes, 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 was yes. There at that time, I wonder if he would have been there at that time. Who's that? Travis Ryman, shortstop. That might have um, been a little bit before that. He was a little. He's a little before me. I know. I, my uh, Wendy will talk about, you know, Lance Parrish and 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 all the the old timers. Yeah. Um, from when she was uh, when she was a kid, and, and it's you know good clubs with yeah. uh, Trammell and Whitaker, Whitaker and, and those guys. Yeah. Um, and but but they they um, they had a couple of okay seasons. It made for it made for more challenging uh, made for more challenging coaching of high school baseball. I can promise you because they just weren't very good. And yeah. and um, uh, Kirk Gibson was was um, was on that. Um, the, the radio broadcast for a while when I was okay. there and he was he was not afraid to point out why they weren't very good so so uh, I think I could I could pass that on and maybe we could learn a little bit from some of his commentary but um, uh, it would it, it, it would have to be much much easier to coach high school ball if you've got a good big league team that the kids all like and watch yeah. and everything because yeah. you know most of my guys didn't watch and didn't pay a whole lot of attention and stuff, but yeah, I can't say that I blame him. I mean, I, I certainly recall that, that time frame, which was probably early two thousands, I'm guessing. Yeah. Is that about yeah. Right? Yeah. So my, my first spring of 99 was my first team. And, and then through, 
um, 07, I think, was the last okay. team. That, and then we, then when we moved back out here. Man, you were coaching the same time I was in high school. Yeah, where, where'd you, where'd you uh, play? What, so what I was, school? Uh, small town. So you coached in Reed City. So northeast of you, small town called Johannesburg, Lewiston is where. Oh, okay. It's, uh, I've, so I've it's, heard it's of yeah, just east of Gaylord. Okay, is where yeah. is where I grew up. We were, uh, we, were, um, we were class D, so we were small. We had some good yeah, teams. We, we were class we D. We bounced back and forth from B to C a uh, yeah. couple of times. Um, uh, funny story that 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 um, I was afraid we were going to repeat in, in a way here. Um, I was at an antelope camp a couple of years ago, and um, a couple of people I didn't know there, you know, mutual friends and, and that, that whole story. And, and, um, we're standing around a campfire talking and, and, uh, you know, it comes out and get across there. Says, ah, you know, yeah, I'm from Michigan or whatever. And, oh yeah. Where and the, the, the whole spiel. And, um, ah, well, you know, you know, spring Lake high school or whatever. So hey, did, you, did you play for Tom Hickman? And he just looked, he just sat back and looked it. at me like, what, how did you know that? He said, man, what, what year did you graduate? 99. I said, man, I saw you play the last high school game you ever played. And <laughs> he was uh, uh, certainly surprised. Certainly yeah. surprised. But it, was, it was funny. We were in a regional tournament, and, and they lost in the first game. And then the team that, that beat them um, wound, up, wound up beating us, um, okay. you know, two games, you know, two games later. So, um, yeah. But uh, they, 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 he was a, he was a good player. They were a good team. Um, was, uh, but yeah, it was really funny. We're standing around a campfire in the middle of nowhere in eastern Montana. Yeah, I saw you play high school baseball, man. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of guys chopping up. No, that's that's a great story. Yeah. So I mean, we could talk baseball all night, yeah. Mark. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll save that for another one. Um, <laughs> so. Tell me about your company, Bella's Bones. Like, how? Kind of give me the origin story. What did that look like? How did you decide to, you know, launch this thing? You know, um, when we came back out here, we were able to come back out because my wife had gotten a, a, a real job, and um, you know, healthcare benefits and everything. And, and she, uh, we made the move, getting ready to make the move, and she said. Uh, um, you know, hey, you're not just going to hunt and fish and ski all the time. Here's an ad for a job you might like. And it was uh, uh, running sled dogs, guiding sled dog trips. And so uh, I sent in an app, and the guy hired me. And so I started with him. And, and um, then another guy started the next year, and he was a big shed hunter. And I had been out a couple of times walking around, but I didn't have any idea what I was doing, not that I really know now. Um, but, uh, but I started shed hunting a little bit with him and, and, and talking about it and I'd be out on my days off and he'd be out on his days off and we'd compare notes and everything. And, and uh, so, so I, and I really enjoyed it and, and, uh, then started playing around, messing around with um, a new dog that we had gotten. We got a, uh, 10 month old lab, chocolate lab that, uh, um, Somebody decided they 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 had some extenuating circumstances, but she was she was pretty stubborn, pretty challenging critter. So I think that maybe they uh, they uh, 
decided she was just a bit too much for him and, yeah. and, and gave her away. So we got this free dog out of the Bozeman Chronicle, um, you know, free column in the classified ads. And um, I started messing around with her and, and um, getting her to bring me back antlers. And, and, um, and so then, and, and that's, that's Bella. So that's the, that's the Bella and Bella's bones. Right. And, um, and, and she turned out turned into a, a, a really pretty good shed dog. And, um, it, it, I like, really like dogs, obviously, you know, if you're going to be guiding sled dog trips, you, it's pretty helpful. And, uh, and we've, we've had labs. We're on, um, well, we just, we're on our, our fourth one right now. Um, our third and fourth are still around, but, um, so we, I'm a dog person. I like to get out in the woods um, uh, in the fall. Some, if I was a better elk hunter, I'd probably do more bird hunting. Um, but but I struggle to get an elk in, in the freezer, you know. So so Wendy hunts with the with the dogs quite a bit. Bird hunts with the dogs quite a bit, and and then I spend a lot of time with them on the on the mountain in the springtime, um, trying to trying to pick up some antlers here and there, and. Uh, you know, I, I had a bunch of antlers in the guest room, and Wendy went in to open the window one day, and she tripped on some antlers and almost impaled herself. and And I, I got, I got told that uh, you need, you need to do something with some of these things, man. Um, we got to get some. It's, this, this is not working. And so, yeah. so I started, uh, I started cutting some up and and, and uh, selling them for dog chews on on uh, Facebook and and that kind of languished a little bit and I, I did that a little bit just with some of them and then un- unfortunately I sold a big pile to a guy uh, that traveling through buying buying antlers by the pound and and um, I sold a big basically a whole pickup truckload to him and and uh, I wish I had him back now but um, and, I, and then started making some bottle openers and, and things and, and giving them some of my buddies and they seemed to like them and I started getting a little better at it and then a couple of years ago we well, try and sell maybe we'll try and make a bunch of this stuff and go to a craft show you know and, yeah. and so I got into a couple of craft shows and then uh, then up the up the uh, uh, well the the, the the website's really not very good because it's I'm maintaining it and, and I'd much rather be on the mountain than, than playing around with the computer and and I'm not very good with the computer so so the website somewhat lacking but uh, but we've expanded it quite a bit there and, and doing quite a few quite a few shows and um, we're at rendezvous big uh, backcountry hunters and anglers rendezvous this spring as as a as a vendor and um, so we get. Getting out and about and doing that, and and um, so I just took took Bella and uh, the 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 uh, proclamation that I needed to do something with get some of these antlers out of the house. Yeah. Um, and and trying to trying to kind of fund my fund my habit, you yeah, know, yeah. fund my my shed hunting habit. Yeah, I mean, I was look when I was looking on the website earlier, I saw that. Yeah, it looks like kind of a an upcoming event schedule, and you've got gosh, at least a dozen or so on there that looks like you're kind of scheduled for throughout the spring and the summer. 
when it when it comes time to you know make whether it's a bottle opener you've got like a wine stopper um pizza cutter i mean you got a whole list of kind of very handy or everyday kitchen utensils that you've been able to to really make look nice thank you what does the process look like you know making one of these how long does it take kind of walk me through that you know it 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 depends a little bit obviously on what what it is that i'm making but uh you know, if I've got it, just, just to say I've got a, uh, an, an antler in front, of my, uh, in front of me and I'm looking at it and I can say, well, you know, that, that uh, and I, I do, I use elk antler and, and deer antler and we've got white tails and, um, and mule deer here. So, so I get some of, some of each of those. Um, and then, and then also I do have some pronghorn antelope that uh, I use the sheaths from to, uh, to make some earrings and stuff like that. I don't think, okay. I'm not sure if I've got any of those on the, on the website or not, but, um, but so that's, that's the real stuff that I, that I'm working with. And then you know, maybe I'm looking at a, um, at a, at an elk antler and I said, well, that, that, uh, third will make a nice handle for a, for a bottle opener. It's got a nice arc to it and it's yeah. the right size. Um, and then I'm cutting it off, um, you know, using a bandsaw and cutting it off, and and then um, and then drilling drilling a hole in it. I'm using a lot of the, the the hardware that I'm using almost exclusively stuff that they're selling for um, wood turning. Um, okay. So yeah, it's uh, coming out of wood turning catalogs and stuff like that. Um, and uh, the big challenge for me is that, that antler is not. Um, square and it's not straight and it's not easy to clamp or to right. you know to get to where my my hole that I drill is really truly 90, 90 degrees from the the um, you know perpendicular to the to the flat spot on the top of the Perfect. end of the antler so um, trying to get all that um, uh, balanced out is, is even just clamping them to drill um, is, is a challenge. Um, but, uh, but I'm uh, clamping it up and, and drilling a hole in it and, and, uh, uh, you know, mounting some kind of, a uh, an insert in it. And then, uh, and most of those things just screw in, um, yeah, okay. the stuff I've got permanently mounted. And then a lot of them, um, the pizza cutters, uh, for instance, they come, they unscrew, so they've got a, there's a metal insert there that you can unscrew the stuff from so that I could, you know, you can throw the cutting head of the pizza cutter into the dishwasher or something without messing up your antler. Yeah. 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 So that's a, that's the, the basic idea. And then, and then they, you know, sometimes if I'm in nice, they sand them down, smooth them up and, and polish them up. And, um, and so if, if I'm on a, if I've got easy to work with stuff and, and, um, and I'm making, um, a bunch of them at once, you know, which I'm, I'm trying to do. It can take me tw- 20 minutes to half an hour to make a, a pizza cutter. Um, okay. To, That's to not my, too bad. It's not, it's not bad. And, and um, it, uh, it's a challenge that just like everybody else, that the, uh, the materials, the prices have gone up, um, whether it's the, the metal stuff that I, you know, the components that I'm buying through the catalogs or, or antler. Um, antler is, I mean, they're 
out at twenty dollars a pound for elk antler, um, and uh, it wasn't. It's only been a couple of years. It was fourteen bucks a pound. So yeah. that really starts uh, starts adding up on you. So there's a it's it's not it's not really easy to to work with. Um, you know, it's just hard. It's uh, it's not like a two by four. That you can square up, you know. Um, but I think that's 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 the beauty in it, right? Because whether someone who's buying one notices likely the difficulty of of putting something like that together. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, they're they're a statement piece, in my opinion, right? Like they're mm-hmm. they're very they, they look nice. Um, you can tell like that they're all handcrafted, and I think people appreciate those kinds of things, right? Like. You know, especially like a like a bottle opener, for example, right? You have some people over for a barbecue or something, got some beers going, mm-hmm. whatever the case is, and hey, you got a bottle opener. Oh yeah, it's in the drawer over there. They pull this thing out, and they're like, you know, it, it starts a conversation right there. You know, if it's like you know a wine opener that you keep on the counter or you know something like that. I mean, the, these are types of things that you know will last. I mean, it's a bottle opener, so it means it's not like it's being used multiple times every day unless you know. Okay. Well, like some, to get days, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's, those are the kinds of things that, yeah, they just, they stick with the family. They stick, you know, kind of generation to generation. And it's one of those things that, you know, I'd imagine if it gets passed down or, you know, like if, if we, if, if I were to buy one and, you know, we just keep it in the drawer and we're, we're using it when we need, you know, there's going to come a time where, you know, you're going to start cleaning stuff out and passing it down to your kids or, you know, some type of relative and you know it's just one of those things that's really cool to have and also you know very functional as well well that's the the, the idea the functional stuff but it is none of it is uh, uh none of it's anything that somebody has to have so it, it yeah. has to be um uh like you say kind of a statement thing a, 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 a conversation starter yeah. um uh you know no Nobody has to wear camouflage all around town all the time either, you know. And well, you sure see a lot of that kind of a, a statement stuff, or your or your Sitka gear, or your first light, or, or whatever, you yeah. know. But uh, but it but it but it says something, uh, I think, and it certainly says something. And we're we're um, you know we're we're really a tourist place. Um, yeah you know, right outside of Yellowstone and, and I do, um, a lot of shows. In fact, we're, um, you know, we have done with it. The only thing, um, well, we did one, we did, did one spring craft show aside from the BHA rendezvous. And then, um, and then I'm starting to be doing a, uh, a little market right outside. I mean, right outside the North entrance to Yellowstone. Like if you step onto the sidewalk, you're in the park. Um, okay. Uh, tomorrow night, so the first night I'm going to do one of those. So um, then that's just getting started. Um, uh, this is their first year for that, so it'd be interesting to see how see how it goes. Um, but uh, but yeah, you've got a lot of people there that that um, it's it's interesting that, that that really oh my gosh is that oh that's is that elk or is that deer or what is that or did you kill all those animals? Um, you know. Um, no, no, they fall off. Um, you know, um, yeah. it's it, it really uh, even even in Montana, even the some of the locals, you know, um, they're semi-locals or something that you no, you, you, they fall off. Um, 
Yeah, and and so so there's an educational component to it as well, which um, you know, having coached and 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 been a teacher, and then and I spent a lot of summers also um, with the Park Service in Yellowstone, and um, I was never. Um, really an interpretive ranger that would be working in a visitor center or something. But, but I worked in some backcountry offices and used to do, um, uh, answer the phones and emails and stuff with questions and stuff. So it's, so, so that, that teaching aspect of things, um, or when I'm, I've got some, uh, antelope stuff and, and those, you know, those are, those are really, they're weird animals and they're, and they're, horns they fall off the sheaths of their horns fall off so they're not antlers and they're kind of only only sort of horns and um yeah and they're a different they're a different thing and that and lots of people don't get that don't know about that um which is understandable they're you know they're not something a lot of people know about but but so you get some interesting conversations um, uh, at, at your at your booth at the craft show, whether it's somebody else that's uh, you know a big shed hunter and and, and um, you know knows a lot about this and that, and oh yeah, oh, those are some nice sheds you got there or whatever, and uh, or somebody that just uh, I can't believe you killed all those animals. And, oh, no, 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 no. We need to, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, when I went to college. Uh, I, you know, you make, you meet a lot of new people, make a lot of new friends. Sure. You know, you are familiar enough with Michigan to understand like the Mm -hmm. area I grew up in. And, and it's really, you know, even over by Reed city, big rapids in that area. I mean, it's certainly a bigger area, but it doesn't, you don't have to drive too far to get to some of those, you know, more rural communities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I grew up uh, like with a certain way of life, you know, the outdoors and and hunting and fishing and and all those Mm -hmm. things were, were very normal to me growing up. And, you know, you make new friends in college. And I think it was probably after college, um, one of the one of my buddies who I became pretty close with throughout the course of school, um, we started talking about hunting um, one day and telling him that I was going to be going hunting. You know, this is during whitetail season. And we start talking about antlers. And he didn't think that whitetails drop their antlers every year. He didn't, he couldn't wrap his head around it. He's like, no, 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 that's not true. He's like, so they just, so they fall off and they just grow bigger the next year. I'm like, yeah, theoretically, yes, that's, that's what happens. He's like, no, yeah, yeah. I don't buy it. Like we had to Google it. We had, to, I was calling people. I had to call my wife of all people to say, <laughs> can you please tell him that deer drop their antlers every year? You know, sometime in the winter, January, February, somewhere in that court, like they're going to fall off. Right. And, if I'm having to go to my wife to prove my point to my buddy, like he's lost the battle 100%. Yeah, that's right. Well, at least he trusted her. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. trust the guy who actually hunts. Trust his wife who's never <laughs> hunted a day before in her life. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's interesting. And, and to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know when I became aware of that. Um, yeah, I don't have any idea if it was when I was a little kid. I mean, my, my dad grew up hunting some, not much big yeah. game. There wasn't. There was, you know, they 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 lived off squirrels and, and rabbits and and uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, but uh, they did a little bit of deer hunting. But they're just it was you know the time frame when when um, in 
rural Virginia that there, it was a big deal to see a, a, a deer track. Um, yeah. So th- th- there wasn't a whole lot of that. Um, but uh, so I, you know, by the time I was, you know, uh, middle school, high school age, I had some cousins that 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 hunted in Virginia, and there were deer, you know, some quantities of deer, but um, but I didn't have much exposure to that at all. So I'm I'm not even sure really when when I learned that. It might have been when I was a little kid. I might well have known it, but but I I don't remember learning it at any point in time. It's just yeah, we're gonna go look for sheds or something like that. You know, okay. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, and, and I'm sure that that you know I the vast majority of the the, the kids that I went to high school with. You know, I went to uh, school in, in Knoxville, and um, it's East Tennessee, but it's a decent-sized town, and, and yeah, for sure, I'm sure a lot of them had no no concept of that. Yeah, and you know, it's funny that growing up, you know, again, doing a lot of whitetail hunting, and you know, my dad was a big hunter and a big fisherman. I don't ever recall having conversations about like going to look for sheds in the springtime, and maybe that's just because. <clears throat> You know, we we hunted a lot of public land almost exclusively when I was young. So, you know, we were hunting different spots all the time. Every season we were, you know, unless a spot was really good and we knew no one else was, you know, was going to likely be in there. We hunted all over. I mean, you know, my dad and, and his brother, my uncle, I mean, it seems like we'd hunt a different spot every time when I was young. So we never did any shed hunting. But then, gosh, maybe a decade ago, I, you know, when... I was really kind of into it on my own, so to speak. Like I wasn't hunting with my dad or, or anything like that. And we had, uh, my in-laws have some property. So we were doing a lot of like management on the property, like habitat and things like that. And trying to really cultivate it, I guess. Um, when we started, Hey, maybe we should go look for sheds this spring. Right. It was, it's funny that I knew it all along, but I never, whether mm-hmm. I never had any interest or just never really thought about it. It was just never something that I did until, you know, like I said, maybe a decade ago when I, when I really started paying attention to it. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, I remember hearing about it when I first came out to Yellowstone. Um, it was a, it was a, a thing poaching sheds out of the park, uh, to the point where they would talk about, it, it was right at the early GPS kind of stuff. And, yeah. oh, they, 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 they've got some of the antlers that they've, they've embedded, GPS trackers in, or you know that sort of thing, and um, but it was uh, um, you know because because you can't collect them in the national park in Yellowstone, right. um, so uh, thankfully quite a few of those elk walk out of the park and come in winter, you know, right across the valley from us here. So um, so they bring those antlers with them and leave them here before they go back. Um, uh, at least sometimes, um, but uh, it it was you know when when we were in Michigan, I would go down. I mostly went. Um, um, Wendy's from uh, down around Jackson, Adrian, um, in Devil's Lake area, and um, I'd go down there. Her parents have sixty acres down there, so um, I'd go. I'd had access to that. I'd go down there, and it was. Really, at that point, it was you know my father-in-law and myself were the only ones that that hunted on it, and um, and and 
you know, we had some, I hunted a little bit of public land around us, um, but I, I didn't have a whole lot of time because um, I was even then trying, you know, it's a far cry, the time commitment coaching high school ball, even then, far different than it was when I was in high school myself. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and now it's, it's got to be, it's got to be even worse. But, uh, you know, I, that was my, I, I got to, I got to try and maximize my time here. And, uh, and that means private land in Southern Michigan is a good option, you know? Yeah, a real good option as far as Michigan goes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was great. It was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, but that, and then you were talking about the Great Lakes earlier and we were, um, you know, an hour or so from Ludington and, and, um, uh, go over occasionally. And I had a boat that I had bought out here for fishing on Lake Yellowstone and stuff. Um, but, uh, and, and it's, it's certainly a good boat for the, for, you know, not a, it's not a big boat, but it's good enough to go out and troll for salmon out, out of the ports and stuff. But, um, yeah, we, and we actually lived on a, on a, um, uh, Muskegon, uh, river. Um, and so I could put the canoe in there and float the, um, you know, to take, take, put the bike in the back of the pickup, drive downstream, you know, ride my bike back home, get in a canoe, float down the river. And, man, it was, it was, it was slick. We had walleye and rainbows and, um, smallmouth and, um, bluegill and all kinds of stuff in that river. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. That's freshwater walleye tough to beat <clears throat> as far yeah. as, uh, a freshwater fish goes that's i mean that's just my personal opinion but i'm a i'm a big fan of of walleye yeah yeah they're good i'm not very good at catching them but they're but they're really good <laughs> it's all right i'm right there with you so you know you started bella uh, a few years ago how does and, and you i think it's fairly recently have become two percent certified and I mean, certainly you, you, yeah. yeah, certainly you have the relationship with Jared, um, you know, over the, mm-hmm. over the, you know, some time, but how does conservation tie into, you know, the mission of Bella's Bones? You know, um, it's, it's, um, we, we, Bella's Bones can't, can't exist without, uh, very clearly can't exist without deer and elk. Um, no deer, no elk, no antlers, right? Um, and and no um, that's right. No bottle openers, no pizza cutters, no earrings, nothing. Um, so uh, so we have to have that, obviously. And then um, and then public land for us is, um, I mean, it's indispensable. Um, right. I, 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 the it's it, access here, private land access here is is difficult to come by at, at best. Um, so there are a couple of places where I can get on and, um, and, and pick some sheds. Um, we had, uh, I had access right here for some bow hunting. Um, but somebody else kind of goofed that up with, um, with a bad rifle hunting experience on this guy's property. And, um, and so it, it, most of the bigger properties around here, it, you know, somebody's paying to hunt on them and uh, whether they're being outfitted or, or there are some that just 
are you know owned by some Hollywood type that is um, you know not not interested in hunting. Um, yeah. So it's it's tough, and uh, from that standpoint, but we are extremely fortunate to have. Um, I mean, if I if I were to kind of point off of my left shoulder here and and go straight in that direction. Um, once I got across the valley here, I think I could probably go something something in the neighborhood of 50 miles uh, straight line before you ran into another road. Um, oh wow! So yeah, so it's it's a it's a pretty pretty big chunk of uh, of roadless roadless area, and, um, and and wow, if I went straight south from here, maybe um, once you get to the end of the valley here, probably. 12 miles south of us, southwest of us, really. If you went south there through Yellowstone, you'd cross the west entrance road and then one other road before you got all the way down to the other side of the Tetons. So a long ways. You know, so there's a lot of roadless um, country. and um, um, So the, the, the public land is, is, is here and we do um, we do have quite a few um we we really live in winter range so lots of elk come down lots of deer come down um sheep come down it's a one it's a great place to wander around in 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 the winter we saw we saw a beautiful ram a couple of maybe a week ago now um wendy and i did uh just right down the road a spot where um, we stopped to to take a look for some elk across the other side of the valley and one of the three or four rams right there and one of them was a really nice full curl guy that um you know they're hard to see i mean they just you don't see them very often um but but they'll come right down in the valley in winter here and and uh, yeah. and it's neat so we get uh we get that and and um it gives you some of that but the the the, the opportunity to see them and everything but for us it gives it I mean, that's where I go to shed hunt on the, the public land. Um, and and kind of like you were saying, I don't think that many, even when I started really getting after it and um, 12, 15 years ago um, with, uh, with my buddy uh, from the dog sled outfit, um, there were guys out there, but there weren't that many guys out there. And... Um, Guys and gals, but um, there weren't that many people out there. Um, and you know, Bozeman's right on, you know, not very far from us, and and it's just exploded. And um, and the popularity of shed hunting has exploded with the, um, you know, I think a lot of the the the, the social media stuff and the YouTube is in the, um, whether it's the uh, you know, whichever YouTuber or or. Uh, Instagrammer that's that's um, trying you know, to make a name for themselves. off the 380 set of elk antlers, and yeah, of course, guys want to go out and, and, and pick up a big set of elk antlers, of course. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, you're ready to go out and walk around and get get out of the house and, and get out back out hiking, and um, and so there's so there's a lot more competition, but but there's a lot of there's a lot of country there's a lot of country here that 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 we can access a lot of kind of a lot of public land here that um we can't access um because it's checkerboarded in 
Um, so uh, the, the corner crossing type stuff um, where uh, public is boxed in by private and, and, you know, big debates over whether you can, uh, if you can access that without trespassing on the other property and um, do you need permission and everything there. And there are, um, I'm not sure how many square miles um, just to the north and northwest of us here in the Gallatins, um, 30, 40 square miles, I don't know, of, of public land that you can't get to because it's boxed in. Um, so, so conservation is is um, important to us, and we've been uh, Wendy and I have both been individually two percent certified for quite a while. But, but uh, like you said, just got the business um, lined in there. But it just it couldn't the the Bell's Bones could not exist without public lands and and um, access to them and and. Um, and the deer and elk, you know, quality habitat to 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 hold the deer and elk, you know, to yeah. to help them survive. And this was a we had a, a tough winter, not as tough as it was in say, you know, south of us down in Wyoming, which is just was just horrible um, right. for the um, deer and the antelope, and um, probably not quite as hard on the elk be, just because of their size. But but there, you know, there there are quite a few winter kills out here, um, but. Uh, you know that that having winter range for them, um, having quality um, places for them to eat, that that you know find something to eat and hang on through winter. That's um, all. Uh, without it, you know, any of that, take any of that away, and 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 um, my little itty bitty business is not even little itty bitty. You know, yeah. it just doesn't exist. So in a typical spring, especially since you've really started putting to use the antlers to, to make a lot of the different items that you make, mm-hmm. what, I don't even know like how, what's a, a good way to quantify whether it's by pounds or, you know, pick up bed of a truck, like what's a good spring for you in terms of finding sheds? And that could range obviously for anything from, you know, whitetail and muleys to, you know, to obviously elk. You know, I, I don't find a whole lot of whitetail sheds because I, I, they're right in the river bottoms and almost exclusively, not exclusively, but mostly on on private land. And um, I don't find a whole lot of them. I buy some from some of my buddies that, um, yeah. you know, I, I had a buddy that, that, that did work on a ranch here um, locally. And he, you know, he'd be out in the haystacks and pick up deer sheds and I'd buy some from him and stuff. But, um, you know, I might find, uh, uh, generally maybe 30 or so elk sheds and, um, boy, the deer sheds kind of very, um, I don't know what I found. I didn't find that many last year elk sheds. I, I, I started getting accepted to these shows and I, and I had to make stuff. And I didn't have yeah. as much time to, to, to get on on a mountain. Um, and then and then the old big beast uh, Bella was she was old. She she died last this past winter at 15. Um, oh, wow, for a lab. Yeah, yeah, big big a big chocolate lab. And uh, yeah, she made it a, a long time. And, and I would have been very surprised when she 
made double digits, um, just all beaten up and, and uh, bad knees and uh, rattlesnake bites and head caught in a dang um, conibear trap and um, uh, just just a, a, a pretty impressive life story. Um, dogs. Yeah, oh, oh, phenomenally tough. Phenomenally tough. Um, but, uh, you know, and she was, she was really, she was, was good at finding them and, and, and consistent, but my, my little yellow lab, she's good at, at really good with deer antlers. She's a little intimidated by the bigger, bigger elk antlers. Um, she'll pick some up, but not like Bell, but she, I mean, she smoked me, Nugget smoked me once last spring, 10 to nothing on deer sheds on the mountain across the valley here and and uh she just she's scratching around and 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 pulling uh pulling old pieces of antler out from underneath the the pine needles in the you know we just get them in get them in the timber and and they can and they can do some amazing things um so you know i might find 30 or 40 deer sheds with the with the dogs depends on how much i get out and and um you know, it, it's I, I used to do a little better, but I used to go out sooner, okay. and and it really, um, it really is. It's it's. I didn't know any better, but it's it's really it's really hard on a on the critters. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I know some people say, well, you know, people hike or cross-country ski and stuff like that. And, yeah, and I'll go out and cross-country ski sometimes or, or, or whatnot. But, but I'm, not going, when I'm not going out just to cross-country ski or, or whoever is going out to cross-country ski or take a hike. They're not digging around. I'm digging around in bedding areas. And, and, and you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's a... You know, you're pushing them around, and they've got no place to go, and there's piles of snow, and um, it's incredible what a bull elk will go through. Um, oh, yeah. Snow up, up to his, you know, above his belly, and they're just kind of surfing across it, and 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 um, and and you, you know, you see a couple of them. Um, several years ago, we had a real bad winter, probably ten years ago, and. Man, they were dead bull elk all over the place, and um, the winter started real early and and um, and lasted a while. And then you start seeing that, and you know, I, I don't, I don't need to be a part of that. You know, it's it's yeah. not. I, I I need some antlers for my business, but I don't need them so badly that I'm going to go out um, early on and push these critters around. Um, and 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 I try and and. When I buy from other people, um, I try and buy from people that I feel pretty good about buying from. You know, yeah. they're um, the way they're going to conduct themselves um, when they're out there. And and it's uh, you know my my buddy that I used to hunt with, shed hunt with. He's you know uh, you know if you don't go out there, somebody else is going to, and and they're going to get pushed around. And you know, and if you don't go out, then all the easy ones are going to be gone. And, and, um, to some degree, I think that's true. You know, the, everybody, you do a little Google search and about elk shed hunting for elk sheds, Oh, South facing slopes, South facing slopes. Well, yeah. this, you know, it all melts off and 
Yeah, well, and, and yeah, they're going to be out there feeding, and yeah, they're going to drop some antlers out there, and yeah, everybody and their brother is going to be on that south-facing slope. And um, and if you wait at all, then, you know, you you don't, you don't, they're gone. And, um, yeah. and, and, you know, they get 20 bucks a pound and, and this, they start to add up, you know, you find four or five sheds that are eight to 10 pounds a piece, which, you know, nice sheds, but, you know, it starts to be some, some real money there. Um, yeah. So but folks I like, go I like- out. I, I just, I choose not to, uh, um, choose to wait much later than I you know, I can remember thinking, you know, at, at some point, well, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to let somebody beat me to that ridge next year, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm, that's not, uh, that's not part of my equation anymore. And I think that, you know, you can, you can hurt your shed hunting that way by pushing elk out. And in fact, a, a couple of years ago, I ran into one, a buddy of mine in the back country and he's, uh, you know, we're we're both out here. We're hunting sheds from bulls that got pushed around already by other people, you know, and pushed back okay. and up and out. So, um, so you know, I'm, I don't, I don't certainly don't claim to be a good shed hunter, and I don't uh, um, I don't push it um, that much. Uh, I like getting out. Um, I like springtime. I like springtime more than maybe I even even used to. I'm, I'm, Winter started to get a little old for me here. Uh, Fifteen years of running sled dogs in the winter, and I um, getting up at you know thirty below, thirty five below in a wall tent with a bunch of sled dogs. Um, I'm maybe a little old for that anymore. But the spring, spring, and, and the flowers blooming, and the butterflies coming back, and the, and um, and then um, getting out and walking on dry ground and not post holing through you know, knee deep or, or, or waist deep, uh, snow, um, uh, really, really appeals to me more nowadays. And then, yeah. then that, that post hole has get, got it. That's, that's pretty old. Yeah. Leave that to the young guys. Yeah, that's I, right. I don't that's blame right. you. That's right. <clears throat> Clark, before I let you get out of here, ma'am, uh, where can people find Bella's bones? Where can they pick up some of your, your handmade goods and, and, you know, antlers and, and dog chews and all that good stuff? We're uh, at www.bellas. Uh, Bellas is no apostrophe in it in the website. Bellas-bones.com. So B-E-L-L-A-S-B-O-N-E-S.com. Um, and we're, um, we're also on uh, Instagram um, at uh, Public Land Pup. Um, and, uh, and Facebook. And I think that's, that's Bella's bones. I think is, is Facebook. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to, to Facebook. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm poor on, on social media in general. Every once in a while, I'll go on a little kick and put a couple of posts up and, and then I, I won't for a while. And, but we're at a, we're at a bunch of shows and like you noticed, uh, said right there on, on our homepage on the, on the website, there's a list of where we're going to be, um, there's a couple of farmers markets around the area, and then um, some of the bigger festivals uh, in in Southwest Montana uh, throughout the summer. So, yeah, come see us, um, and I'd be happy to send something to you. Or, or I, I think it's better to come, you know, and and pick and choose in person. You know, get your hands on the what 
what's that pizza cutter feel like in my hand or what's that bottle opener feel like in my hand um yeah kind of thing absolutely uh, because they're all they're all different they're they're all different um uh, for sure everyone's unique that's what makes it so special it, it is it is pretty cool yeah. well clark dodd thank you again for for joining me it was good chatting with you again and uh look forward to doing this again soon all right all right sounds good marcus thank you sir appreciate it all right have a good night you too buddy okay well thank you again to clark for joining me today telling uh telling me a bit more and and you a bit more about bella's bones and the story behind that i would also like to thank the partners of the podcast stone glacier go hunt and two percent for conservation and if you're interested in learning more about two percent for conservation you can visit their website fish and wildlife.org and over there you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop i also encourage you guys to give two percent a follow on social media where it's going to be only positive conservation driven content filling up your feeds there so again if you'd like to learn more about two percent for conservation you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org thanks for joining me this week everyone hope you enjoyed the episode enjoy the holiday weekend and as always Stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you.